are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Have you ever had someone speak death into your life? You know, you'll never amount to anything. You're useless, stupid, whatever that may be. I just want to uh, share about a guy I'm going to call Al. And I uh, just found this really interesting. Even as a young child, pe- people recognize him as mentally slow. You know how parents brag and how early their children start talking. It took him so long to talk that his parents consulted a doctor. And after he finally started talking, he had a strange quirk of saying the sentence to himself before he would say it out loud. No wonder the family maid called him the dopey one, and the other family members called him backwards. Language came so hard to him that some feared that he would never learn to speak. Once he learned to speak and got into school, he didn't fit in, neither with his fellow students nor with the teachers. Poor Al. Simply put, he was rather an odd duck. Fellow students viewed him as a freak because they were obsessed with sports and he wasn't interested at all. In academics, his school emphasized uh, rote memorization rather than creativity and he wasn't good at the rote method learning. He did well in subjects he liked, but not so good in things he didn't like. As a result, one schoolmaster called him dull. In fact, one teacher went so far to tell him that he'd never amount to anything. He was wasting everyone's time and should drop out of school immediately. He hated high school so much, he, talk, he took the teacher's advice and quit, trying to take an exam to go straight to college, but he failed that exam and tested in several subjects, and he had to take a formal year just to prepare for college. He finally made it into a small technical college, and he found that he did better when he studied with other students. His grades were again uneven, good at sub-subjects, but horrible at others. He flunked physics class with a one, which was the worst grade possible, but he hung in there, barely passing his senior exams, one of the worst grades in his graduating class. Can anybody guess who I'm talking about this morning? Ever had a time finding work? Poor Al, he thought he wanted to teach science, but some of his teachers wouldn't recommend him to teaching positions. After rejection after rejection for jobs, and a a friend finally got him a job in a patent office where he decided if people's inventions should be patented or not. It would take him nine years after college graduation before he would get his first teaching career. As if all these deficiencies weren't enough, Al was very absent-minded. He was so absent-minded that he was always losing stuff. Even as a growing up, like the keys to his room, he went to visit others overnight. He forgot his clothes or even the entire suitcase. One family friend said that he would never amount to anything because he can't remember anything. He was so absent-minded that when he got married, he lost the key and had to wake up the landlady to go get the, get the, let them into the apartment. He was so absent-minded that one day he went for a walk and he couldn't remember his way home. He was so absent-minded that the clothes absent-minded, he, he hung out with other absent-minded friends. He was so absent-minded that when writing letters, he often concluded that by signing the person's name instead of his own. Poor Al, he wasn't very good with long-term relationships. He admitted that he had failed in both of his marriages and didn't do well raising his kids. One ended up, in fact, in an insane asylum. He never drove a car. His wife said that was much too complicated for him. The man that I'm talking about, and I heard some people said it, is Albert Einstein. You ever had an obstacle in your life? Have you had people speak into your life 
that you'll never amount to anything? Why is it that some people, when, when, when death is spoken into their life, they turtle? And they get to that place where it's just like, man, I just can't go on. It's just like, I can't believe it was like a, a devastating blow, and they just fall down, never to get up again. And others, they work hard, determined to, 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 to uh, prove what was spoken over them is wrong. Chronicles is an interesting book. In fact, if you start out reading Chronicles, you're going to find that it's quite boring. It's all history. This person is from that tribe, and this person is from that tribe, and this person begat that person, that person begat this person. And I've had people over my years say to me, Pastor, why is all that genealogy in the Bible? Well, the truth is, is it shows where people comes from, and we need to know where we came from. So here in the middle of all this genealogy, we have a little prayer that a man named Jabez prayed. What did he pray? It's found in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me, Lord. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. What did Jabez do to be able to make it in the Bible? What war did he win for him to be able to be recognized in the middle of Chronicles? What miracle did he perform? What prophetic word did he give to, that would elevate him to that place of being biblical worthy? He simply prayed a small prayer, and the Lord felt that that prayer was powerful enough that we today need to lo- learn that prayer and understand its meaning. We have learned in other messages the importance of names, especially in the Old Testament. And here we see a man that was named as a baby for the pain that he caused. Here comes pain. Here comes the one who gave me great pain. Imagine that. There's all kinds of names in the Bible for people. Some names that have absolutely amazing meanings. Look at, look at John and James the sons of thunder. What an awesome name that they were given. I'm sure that was given them. Jesus and the disciples were sitting around a campfire eating some beans, and they said, whoa, you guys are the sons of thunder. Imagine that. The Bible says that in this world, we're going to have troubles, but I've overcome the world. Jabez's past was tough. He was named Pain, yet there was something special about him. He was from the tribe of Judah. You know, the older I get, the more issues I face, the more I have learned the value of praise. In fact, I would say that the Lord has given his people the gift of praise to be able to break through during rough seasons. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 61.3, and provide for us those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. There is something supernatural happens when we praise the Lord. You know what? I, I, I've shared this, 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 this illustration in this church before, and, but it's one of those things that is a life lesson for me that I'm going to share again in the future. 
See, I remember one time I was at Clairview, and, and, and I would go in early in the morning, and I would sit there, and I would pray, and I just enjoyed going in the office before the phones would start ringing and that type of thing, and that would be my, my prayer closet in the sanctuary, and I would usually come in the sanctuary, and I would start to shout, and I'd start to worship, and I'd start to dance, and I didn't have to worry about anybody saying, wow, white men can't dance. Look at this guy. You know, like, I'm a terrible dancer. But it doesn't matter. It's just me and God in the room, and I don't have to worry about people looking and making me feel all uncomfortable. So I came in there one morning, and I was really feeling blue. Man, I was down in the dumps. I was just feeling like so heavy, so much despair. I don't even remember what, what, what for that day. But I remember walking in, this, in the sanctuary, and I would always kind of turn on the sound system and put on the music, and I said, no, not today. I said, God, there's no, not going to be any singing today. There's not going to be any dancing. There's not going to be any shouting. Lord, I'm just so feeling dry. I'm just so feeling heavy. And I laid on my face before God on the altar, and I said, fill me, Lord. That sounds like a pretty spiritual prayer. You know, you kind of you crawl in and you're just kind of like, have you ever been there? It's kind of like, I don't even know why I'm praying today. I don't feel like it. I don't know why I'm here, Lord, trying to connect with you because, God, you just feel so far away right now. But here I am, Lord. I've done my part. Now you do your part, God, and fill me up. And I heard so clearly the voice of the Lord that day. You know what I heard? He laughed at me. And I became so offended with God. I said, how could you do that? I told you how I'm feeling. I told you how blue I am. I told you that I'm really struggling today. I'm just feeling really low. And you laugh at me? You're a mean, 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 bad God. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he says, Lance, you said with your words there would be no singing, there would be no dancing, there would be no joy, there would be no this, no that. And he said, fill me. How do you expect me to fill you? And I said, I don't know. That's your problem. You're God. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He says, Lance, son, choose you this day who you will serve. And here I lay on my face before the Lord, feeling low, low, low feeling that spirit of depression just so heavy upon me. And I said, I get it. Lord, my relationship with you is not based upon how I feel at this very moment. Lord, my relationship with you is not based upon, upon me, but God, it's based upon you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords no matter how I feel. See, this is a message or this is a little illustration, perhaps, that I truly believe cannot be taught, but it's got to be caught. Because it's easy to write down messages and say, yeah, yeah, oh man, that's good. When I, when I feel heavy, I'm going to praise the Lord. But when you feel heavy, try to praise God. It is tough. But I, I laid on the floor before the Lord. All of a sudden, I just, just under my breath, I just, I just went like this. God, I choose you. Just simple. And all of a sudden, I felt life enter my spirit. And I'm like, oh God. And I got up and I said, I choose you, God. 
And I said it over and over again in the sanctuary. God, I choose you. Until I started screaming, I choose you, God. I choose you. And I started dancing and I started shouting. And something broke over my life on that very day. My friends, when we get to that place of being so downcast, when we get to that place of being so heavy, what do we do? Do we turn to medication? Do we just lay in bed and say, you know what, it's going to be a bad day? Do we turn to friends and say, hey, listen, I'm feeling, I'm feeling blue? It's the new age. Do we go on Facebook and, and write something that is really, really depressing so we can have other people say, oh, come on, it's not that bad? We need to get our hope and our life from the Holy Spirit because that is the only thing that can satisfy that void in our lives. That is the only thing that will take that spirit of despair that is trying to come upon us and say, no, I choose to praise the Lord. And well, how long do I need to do that for? I don't care. You don't stop until you get your breakthrough. Man, I've taken a piece of chalk And I've drawn a circle on the floor, and I said, Lord, I will not leave this circle until I meet with you. We've done that, haven't we, Des? These are great friends of mine from back in the day. We used to do this Shekinah retreat, and we took circles, and we put them around us and said, Lord, we are not going to leave this circle until we've met with you. And some people, it was pretty quick, man, they met with God, and other people, we were there for hours, pressing in, seeking the Lord, saying, God, I will not leave this until I meet with you. I will not, Lord, I'm desperate for you, God. Desperation has to become part of our lives. But you see, we're in a world of convenience. If we don't get the Holy Spirit, we don't get the relief right now, then it's not worth paying the price. Man, sometimes it's a bit of a journey that the Lord takes us through and works through our lives in. I tell you this morning, I tell you the truth, it's worth it. It's worth it. Breakthrough. Judah in Hebrew means praise. It's amazing in battle how Israel would send out first the tribe of Judah to make war in the heavenlies before the actual battle would commence. Remember the walls of Jericho? That's an amazing biblical story of how something so massive as these walls that they could ride chariots side by side around these walls and and the people up there were so secure saying, you know what? You, I don't care who you are, you can't come against us. Look at the walls that we've built. And the Israelites didn't have to lift a finger. All they had to do was shout, use their voice, and the Lord brought down the walls. We got walls in our lives. The power of praise will bring down those walls. The power of praise will, will show the lies that the enemy has spoken over us to be null and void, and we'll be able to hear the truth that the Holy Spirit wants to share. Jabez was from a tribe of praisers, and although his mother stuck the label on him of pain, sorrow, hurt, this all changed with a simple prayer for Jabez, understood that nobody earthly can help me. What I need is a divine intervention. We've all have labels stuck to us. Things that have been spoken by parents, teachers, friends, enemies. Labels are lies that we have carried for years, and the Lord is looking to change our perspective of things. Come on up, Kurt. 
Kurt is one of our facilitators with Ancient Pass. And Ancient Pass is a really a neat course that, that takes us through just sort of walking in that place where understanding the truth of the Lord is speaking over us. You see, everything when we get saved is dealt with at the cross. Jesus is big enough to take care of all of our things. His blood is sufficient. But what happens is believers get saved. We walk in that place, and we've got so much baggage that we're carrying around, and we don't know how to give it to the Lord. Sometimes we don't even realize that the baggage is there. You know, I, I, I had words spoken over me, and just like everybody in this room has had things spoken over them as a kid. You know what, what one thing that was spoken over me was stupid. You know, in fact, when I was in grade five or six, I remember my mom coming home from a parent-teacher interview just in tears. And she says, son, my te- the, your teachers say that you're stupid. They see that you're slow and that, that you need to get some special help. And as my mom and dad, they, they were in that place and they went and I had to start going to doctors and they started doing all these kind of intelligent tests and the intelligence tests came back and they're like, I don't know what these teachers are talking about. This kid is a brilliant kid. But yet that was a label that was stuck upon me from people at a vulnerable state of childhood. It's just kind of like, well, that's what I believed. You know what? There's other people in this room, we've had labels, things stuck to us. If, if you've got a, a, a card, come on up and just start sticking it on, on Kurt right now. Different labels, different things that people have been, uh, things that have been spoken over people in this very room. Stupid, loser, you're too loud. Man, that's one that we put over Mackenzie all the time. I think we've we got to pray about that one afterwards. You're everything in a man I dislike. Rejected, lazy, loner. You're never going to amount to anything. You're incompetent. You're a failure. Um, You'll never be successful. You're an idiot. You're compulsive. Words of death that have been spoken over every single one of us in this room. Now, Kurt, a man of God, Kurt, a believer, is walking around with that heart that says, God, I want to be free. God, I, we, he was singing what Rob was leading us to today. I am free to run. But yet he's not free because he's got all these, these, these labels that have placed on him, all these lies that the enemy has spoken over him, that yet he believes in the Lord, he loves God, but yet he's in bondage to some of this stuff that has been dealt with in the past. And the Lord wants to come up to you and say, loser, you know what? I don't call you that. I call you son. I don't call you that. I have made you with a brain to succeed. I bless you in the name of Jesus. You're not too loud. I have given you a voice to be my voice. And I believe in the voice that you've, got, you've given. You're not rejected. You've been bought with a price. You're not a loner. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
You're going to amount to something. You're a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not wanted? I wanted you. In fact, I adopted you. You were bought with a price. You are not lazy. I've got a call on your life. I've got a plan for your life, and you're going to step into a complete new destiny. Everything in a man I dislike, I love you. I created you. I gave you your quirks. I gave you your your blessings, and that is what I'm speaking over to you. You are not a failure. That is not what I call you. I call you success. Uh, Successful, uh, stupid, incompetent, stupid, stupid, idiot, compulsive. You are not compulsive. I have a plan for you. In fact, the Lord says the plans of a righteous man are ordered by God. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God, and I've got plans, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. That is what my God says. That is who the Lord is. That is what God is speaking over us. And we just need to sit in that place and say, God, Although death has been spoken, although the enemy has meant harm, what the enemy has meant for evil, God is going to use for good. What my biggest weakness is, the Lord is going to turn into his strength. For when I am weak, he is strong. Too often we can wallow, but you don't understand what I'm going through right now. You just don't understand my situation. It doesn't matter. Jabez got in that place, he started praying. Oh, that you would bless me, Lord. I love when John Camp speaks. You know, almost when John speaks, he always talks about, do you know that God wants to bless you? Do you know that God wants to prosper you? It's like, oh, I don't know, you know. Man, we're a child of God. Do you believe it? I think so often we think that blessings are financial. And although God wants to bless you financially, do you know it's so much bigger than that? A little precursor is Jabez was more honorable than all his brothers. Like my dad used to say, you can't drive the car unless you've got the keys. Jabez was found by God to be an honorable person. He was trusted. The Lord has blessed my socks off with a family who is totally amazing, with divine health and life. You know what? I've even got a mother-in-law who I love. How many men can say that? I am blessed and highly favored. (laughs) My life scripture is Psalms 512. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. God has blessed me. And my family immense me. But out of all the blessings that I've ever received in my life, you know what the biggest blessing in my whole life is? Those three little monkeys. You know what? I try to be transparent with you. I've told you that Cindy and I were unable to have children for 10 years and then Lord fix whatever was broke. But I cannot give justice to the 10 years of crying, fasting, praying, bartering, and begging the Lord to, 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 just to bless us. I can tell you the hindsight is 2020. And I know that God's timing is perfect, and I think we need to understand that. Because the Lord wanted to heal something in our marriage, some issues in our personal life, to be able to clean house before we had kids. And now I'm not saying I'm perfect, 
But I am saying once again, thank you, Lord, for pouring out your abundance of blessings in your timing. I think that if Cindy and I had have had our children when we wanted them, they would have been teens today. And they would be prob- probably pretty dysfunctional. Because we didn't have that basis in our lives to be able to do what the Lord and be able to teach what the Lord because we didn't know that stuff ourselves. And through prayer and through training and through teaching and the Holy Spirit mentoring us, he says, now you're ready. Now it's time. And it's just kind of like, man, Lord, for 10 years we cried, we whined, we, we begged the Lord. We said, God, why don't you love us? Why don't you do it? And God's like, I do love you. I'm crazy about you, Lance. Stop listening to the lie. My timing is perfect. See, there's people in this room right now where you've been begging the Lord, you've been pleading with the Lord for something for so long, and you started to believe the lie that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care for you, that you know what? Obviously, he loves somebody more than you because if not, you would have that, that thing that you've been fasting, praying, seeking the Lord for. My friends, there is times to fight. There's times to press through. But his timing is perfect. And we have to stand in that place and say, instead of saying, God, why not? We need to sit in that place and say, God, I trust you, Lord. And Lord, help me to learn whatever lesson it is you want me to learn right at this moment. For God, you are good. He is a good God. He is crazy about you. His desire is to bless you and to bless your family in ways that you did not even dream possible. The next thing we see with Jabez is enlarge my territory. What does this mean? This is something that we don't say today in modern English. But back in the day, land was measured by sight. My land was spanned from a river to over that pile of rocks. He was saying, stretch me, Lord. Enlarge my tent pegs, some versions say. Have you ever stepped into something when you're like, Lord, how in the world did I get here? You know what, perhaps in a room with very influential people, and God says, okay, I want you to be able to speak to them, and you're like, Lord... I don't even feel like I can step in this, in this room. You know, I remember um, when the mayor and, and the council just got this last election here, they gave me a call and they said, would you, would you come and pray a blessing over, over the, the, the mayor and the council members uh, for, for, the, for their inauguration ceremony? I'm like, how did I get here? Like, you know, there's a lot of pastors that have been around this town for many, many years, and I don't know how this door opened, but Absolutely. I find myself in these type of places sometimes. The Lord opens up doors, you know. Like, I've never claimed to be the best singer or the best thing in the world. But I just got a phone call one day. Yeah, Pastor, we're just wondering if you could open up uh, the, uh, this hockey tournament with, with singing o- of O Canada. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so they're like, okay, you know what? I said, okay, so am I going to have some music to be able to do this? With? Like, I'm there in the arena, and they give me a microphone. I said, okay, am I got some music and stuff? They're like, no, just go start singing. I'm like, great. <laughs> so I walk out at center ice, and there's all these people there, and I'm just like, uh, here we go. <laughs> and I just started singing O Canada. And then some drunk guy in the audience goes, way to go, Pastor! I'm like, how does the Lord do this? But I don't know. 
He opens up doors for us to go to places that we would never, ever think that we would be doing. And we step in that role and just say, God, whatever you have for me, Lord, may I be obedient. God is going to have people in this room, council cities, nations, people with an amazing business sense. Why? Because Jesus wants to show all the people that he is Lord. Jesus wants to give you divine wisdom that you can then share with kings, presidents, and prime ministers. Man, there's some smart people in this room. And there's some other people in this room who, you know what, you step in divine favor, and it's just like you get promoted, and it's kind of like, you know what, if if you have a one-on-one conversation with with someone like that, it's kind of like, I don't know how I got here, because I'm not the most qualified, I'm not the brightest, but Lord, I trust that you're going to do something, and they just keep going and going and going, because God opens up those doors. God's going to do that for for us in this room. He's going to walk us in that place. Where when we're, when we're obedient, it's just like, God, enlarge my territories. And the Lord says, you want me to stretch you? Because sometimes stretching is a painful thing. And it's kind of like, whoa, 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 God. I said stretch, not snap. <laughs> and God is like, you know what? Trust me. Because I know you better than yourself. Do you know he know, how, knows how many hairs you have on your head? It's crazy. He knows you. He created you. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can take. He knows what's deep down inside of you. And he's going to open up doors, and all of a sudden you're going to be standing before prime ministers, kings, presidents. And as you walk in there, you're going to be like, how in the world did I get here, Lord? But God, give me wisdom. Lord, enlarge my territory. May I be that guy that you're calling me to be. Why not you? I love the book of James. It says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our God, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Number three, may your hand be upon me. See, the touch of God is so important. To walk under the umbrella of his favor. I think too often we find ourselves running to God when we're in trouble. There's nothing wrong with that. For we know that God is our tower, our refuge, our fortress in times of trouble. However, when things are going well and we're receiving success, we lose the touch of God in our lives and we don't even realize it. You know what? One of the saddest scriptures in the whole Bible for me is with Samson. The Bible says that when Delilah cut Samson's hair, the spirit of the Lord departed from him and he didn't even realize it. How often does this happen to us? We get so caught up in life. Things are going good. The money's flowing in. The bills are paid. You know what? We're starting to build up a bank account. We're starting to see our kids go to school. They're not struggling with drugs. They're not struggling with alcohol. Man, this is a great place to be able to live. And we start to go, and it's like, oh, I am an amazing dad. I am the best oil guy, military guy, the best pastor. I know my job. Man, I'm getting promotions like you wouldn't believe. I am awesome. And the Lord says, okay, really? And he steps back and says, go, and we're running ahead, and we don't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord has left us. That is a dangerous place, my friends. When things are going well, give thanks to the Lord. 
when things are going great, walk in that place and just say, God, I am so thankful for today. Lord, I need you every single day. God, I give you my life. God, I give you my decisions. God, I open up my calendar. It's yours, Lord. You know, the best picture I could think about to kind of show this illustration is I remember as a kid and I was learning to ride my bike, and you know how dad runs behind holding on to our banana seats? Remember that? So dad's got me by the banana seat and he's running behind me. And I'm just pedaling away, and then all of a sudden there's that time when dad lets go. And you're just, you're just going down the street, and you're going down the street, and it's just kind of like, wow. And then I'm like, I know I'm by myself. I know that dad let me go, and I look back to my dad, and I'm like, look at me, dad. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it, dad. And then, boom, I ran right in the back of a parked car. When all of a sudden dad lets go and he says, you're on your own, we want to step in that place and say, dad, I'm sorry. Lord, help me to humble myself before you choose to humble me, God. Help me to humble myself before, God, I take my bike and run it in the back of that parked car. But God, you are my fortress. You are my shield. Lord, I don't want you to leave me, God. Lord, I, and you know what? I know the Bible says you'll never leave us forsake us. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying he's like, okay, I'm, you're on your own. But we get in that place of, of an arrogance. We get in that place of a pride, and sometimes we don't even realize it. The Spirit of the Lord just kind of departs from us. And it's kind of like, Lord, I'm piloting this ship now. I'm running this the way that we live things. We are all body, soul, and spirit. And we say, you know what, I don't, lead this, I don't need the spirit to lead this temple. I'm going to walk at, in, this, in the flesh because I'm doing quite well on my own. That's what I'm talking about. Lord, may your hand rest upon me. Lord, may your hand rest upon my children, God. Lord, may you always walk with us, God. May, man, there's something special when the father split, puts his hand. You know, I don't know if, you, if your dad or your mom ever blessed you. But when a dad just comes up and just goes like this, man, you just sense it, don't you? You just sense the, wow, my dad's got me. Number next. And keep me from evil so I'll not cause pain. Team, would you come? When the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray, he teaches them, pray and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know what? Sin is always crouching, waiting for the smallest opening. We need to be wise and flee from the very appearance of evil. It's so easy to make small, tiny compromises in our lives. My friends, we have to be so careful because there's an enemy roaring, looking with whom he can devour. You know, the Lord has really been talking on my heart and sharing with me that, that whole thing. I'm going to do a I'm going to do a sermon on it coming up here in, in September probably, September, October, on, on the whole Cain and Abel thing and the whole uh, Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's offering was not accepted. Because what the Lord's been showing me about this, and it's just sort of percolating right now, it, it, it hasn't all come into place, but what the Lord is showing me is that he said to Cain, your offering would be accepted if you, if you would only do what I've asked you to do. But be careful, Cain, for sin is crouching at your door. And when, when the Lord walks with you and he says to you, you know what? 
with me not accepting your offering, I'm not rejecting you. I'm rejecting what you brought for me because that's not what I asked you to do. And if you follow what I'm asking you to do, I will accept it because I love you. But be careful, Cain, because sin is crouching at your door. I see it, Cain. Cain, watch out. Open your eyes. The enemy is he's, he's on your back. He's just waiting to be able to get that final blow. And Cain just kind of goes, I'm going to do what I want. God, would you keep me from evil so I will not cause pain? You know, guys, I know pastors, friends, pastors, friends of mine who have fallen morally. And I know the devastation that it has done to churches. And it is so important for you guys to be able to pray for the pastoral staff here. Because you know what? My heart is that all of us will walk in integrity. But you know what? We're no different than you. We have the same trials and the same struggles, but we're in a more of a forefront position. And if the enemy can, can, can cause us to make a couple of small compromises, all of a sudden the reputation that is going out from CLCC is tainted because of one silly, foolish act. And guys, I don't want that to happen. One silly, foolish act can end your marriage. One silly, foolish act can cause a wedge in your family. One small, silly, foolish act can cause us to walk away from the Lord and say, I tried it, it's not for me. And the Lord sits there saying, come on guys, I love you crazy about you. Keep me, Lord, from evil so I will not cause pain. Lord, for my family, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. God, would you blanket us? God, would you protect us? God, would you help in my marriage when we're at odds to bring us together? Would you help the sun not to go down on our anger, Lord? Lord, would you be the Lord of my life? Because God, that is what is important to me, God. God, help me not to be help me not to cause pain. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be able to be a testimony. When Cindy and I first got married, you know, we got married by a, a prison chaplain. He was a friend of the Eastmans and uh, he was the chaplain at uh, Drumheller, the media maximum security there. And we were doing our counseling with him, and, uh, and, and one of the sessions he said to Cindy and I, would you like a tour of the, uh, of the prison? And we said, sure. We'd never, never been there before, never got to see how it works inside. And he gives us this tour. And he said, you know what? One of the toughest things about being a prison chaplain is you have to be mean. And I said, what do you mean? He says, there's all kinds of guys, and these guys are master manipulators. And there's all kinds of 
of, of guys who, if they can make an in with any one of the staff, any one of the guards, any one of the chaplains, then they have them right where they want them. And it starts out with something small. It starts out with something like, hey, listen, can you, I'll give you 20 bucks. Can you, can you buy me a pack of smokes? You know, I don't know what smokes are now. Seven bucks for smokes? 12, 12 bucks for smokes? My Lord! 12 bucks for a pack of smokes. Here's 50 bucks. Pick me up a pack of smokes. And the guy's like, man, that's awesome. I get $30 profit. So it's like, sure. So the, the guy smuggles the smokes in. He pockets 30 bucks and he gives the smokes to the, to, the, to the prison guy. And all of a sudden he's got them. Because he says, you know what? I'm going to tell what you did to me. I'm going to tell what you did if you don't do this. And now it's smuggling in drugs. And now it's smuggling in this and doing this and doing that where the guy becomes a puppet. And I never forgot that story because I believe that that's what the enemy does to us. You know, it starts out with the smallest compromises and all of a sudden they become bigger and bigger and bigger. But we have an advocate where you go to and say, Lord, I've messed up God forgive me and he is so faithful to say son daughter I now throw it away as far as the east is the west never to be remembered again now, sometimes there's still consequences because you know what the Bible does say we reap what we sow and if we sow watermelon we're not going to harvest corn and when we sow dissension you know what even though the Lord forgives us there still could be a package waiting to blow up in her face there and I think we need to pray. Just say, you know, God, I've sowed some discord in my life. I've sowed some things that I know are in the, there's some weeds in my soil, God. And Lord, I deserve those weeds. But God, I ask supernaturally that you remove those weeds. God, I ask supernaturally for the faults that I've done that God, you would just completely eradicate them, Father God, and set me free so I will not cause pain. Jabez was a man whose name represented pain. Yet out of the pain, the sorrow, God raises him up. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, and it's in the message version because I love how it says it, is Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Man, I'm a dreamer. And when the Lord says, Lance, you dream too small. It makes me go like, God, how big are you? How big is your God? How big is your Savior? For he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's the message for today. Would you stand on your feet? As the team takes us into amazing love, I just want to open up the altars. If you like prayer, I'd love to come up and have some people pray with you. But you know what? I, I am a big fan, too, of sometimes just having that one-on-one -on -one time with God. And if you want to just come on up and kneel around the altar, that's just going to be our sign that you just don't want anyone to bug you. You just want to have time with just you and the Lord, where you're just like, God, I know I've sowed this. Or, Lord, I know that I've been making compromises, and God, I need to stop that right now because, Lord, I don't want to cause pain. Oh, that you would bless me, Lord. 
Lord, would you enlarge my territory? May the hand of God be upon my life and keep me from evil so I will not cause pain. And Jesus answered my prayer. Bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.